Darker Days of Dorothy Gale Aftermath For Episode 8 Chapter 4 Love Loss Whatever happened to that pretty young woman that wandered into the forest? Sometimes when we watch something, hear something, or read something, we don't really ask ourselves, what was so-and-so doing when some other so-and-so was doing that thing? You know what I mean? Like when you watch an episode of news radio, and the scene is focusing on Dave and Lisa, you might not be wondering what Joe is up to. Or, to put it in more modern terms, when Fibber McGee is doing something, you might not be asking yourself what Molly is up to. Or like when you watch The Batman, you might not really be all that interested in what Bruce Wayne is up to when Batman is out Batmaning around. Or maybe it's like how we don't really wonder what David Arquette is doing when he's not acting. So, like most of the time. Sure, sometimes we wonder, but do we always? When you listened to, or read, Dark Days of Dorothy Gale, did you ever really wonder what exactly Beatrice was doing, or what was actually happening to her while Nicholas was napping on the front porch? Probably not. Maybe you were somewhere deep in your subconscious, or maybe you were outside of your subconscious. Maybe you actually did wonder that, but I'd be willing to bet that a lot of people weren't. And I'd also be willing to bet that after last week's episode, if you weren't wondering already, you started wondering pretty quickly. This week, I bring more new light to this character that is so integral to the story yet so absent from the first book. In Dark Days, Beatrice was more like a MacGuffin. She was a thought. A reason for the woodman's actions, but really not much more. While we aren't going to get much more of her from here on out, last week's and this week's chapter go a long way to bringing her to life we see that she is a beacon of hope, ethical to a fault. She's traveling with Tip, short for Tipitarius, a child of the forest, lost and alone, but clearly more than meets the eye. He's off-putting in his behavior. He says weird things and brings a strange coldness with even the slightest touch. He asks Beatrice if he can live with her. And then when she says yes, he tells her of all the horrid things that happened to his previous family. There are several moments in this chapter where Beatrice is torn. She wants to do the right thing, but she doesn't know what the right thing is. She yells at him and then immediately feels bad about it. She's ashamed that she's afraid of him. She doesn't really want to take him in, but she doesn't feel as though she has a choice. 
the kindness in her soul simply won't allow her to leave this child behind. Even as his behavior becomes increasingly disturbing. Have you ever met someone and started a conversation with them? Maybe you sit down next to them at a pancake feed. You make a courteous gesture of saying, good morning. You might even make a little bit of small talk. Some weather we're having out there, isn't it? Or, did you see that ludicrous display last night? (laughs) What was Wenger thinking sending Walcott on that early? The thing about Arsenal is, they always try to walk it in. And before you know it, the guy is talking to you about skinning animals, processing meat in an extremely detailed and grotesque fashion, and he won't stop talking about eating tongues and tails and other organs. All the while, you're growing increasingly uncomfortable because he looks like the kind of guy that could hang you from a meat hook in the shed he has in his backyard. But you nod along anyway because you're a nice person. Also, because like I said, he looks like he could hang you from a meat hook in the shed he has out back. Anyway, where was I? Right, right, Beatrice. At this point, she's not even trying to get home. Her main concern is simply getting out of the forest. They come to an orchard where Tip can't take his eyes off of a big, juicy apple. He insists he's okay, he's been hungrier before, but Beatrice, once again, too kind for anything good, and against her father's age-old advice of don't ever pick the fruit, picks the fruit. Of course, things get bad here. Real bad real quick. Mombi shows up, and it's kind of game over. The trees clear a path, and a giant beast appears. Atop this creature, described as a giant wooden Komodo dragon, as a pumpkin-headed man, with pumpkin guts grotesquely hanging from his mouth and eyes. The witch tells Tip he's free to go, but warns him against using magic. And so, Tip joins the beast and the pumpkin man, and together they disappear into the night. Mombi informs Beatrice that she is not going to kill her, but she can't really let her leave the forest either. In the immortal words of M.C. Lars, she had one Job. Don't eat the apple. Sure, she didn't technically eat the apple, but the sentiment is the same. She took something that she definitely should not have taken. Mombi pretty much tells Beatrice she is going to have to be made an example of and opens the forest floor and drops her into a vast pit of despair. If I missed something, or failed to address something you feel I should have, by all means, let me know. 
I'm always open to questions, comments, or constructive criticism. As the youngsters out there say, we don't talk about Bruno, no, no. But you can talk about this podcast. And you can definitely be nice about it. I know you can. I believe in you. You can always contact me on Twitter, Dark Dorothy G, via this electronic mail thing. I really think I might be onto something here. Seems like a pretty fresh way to communicate. It's Dark Days of Dorothy Gale at Outlook.com. On the IG, that's short for Instagram in case you aren't in the know, The Ordinary Sun, that's S U N. And of course, there's always the official Dark Days of Dorothy Gale website, ddofdg.com. As of this recording, it has some cool Dark Days of Dorothy Gale merchandise and a collection of artwork such as photography and sketches. At the moment, I'm not planning on making any darker Days of Dorothy Gale merchandise. Also, I've pulled darker days from Amazon. At this moment, I don't really want to charge people for this experience. I want the story of Dorothy Gale to be largely free. If you would like to support the show, buying a t-shirt or a sticker or something really is the coolest way to go about it. And if you want to support the show without paying any money, then go tell your friends about it. Tell everyone you know. Tell them they'll like it even if you know they won't like it. That's how you support the show for free. And I greatly appreciate it. Even if your friends don't. I've got a lot of creative ventures going at all times. Photography, writing, podcasting. And believe it or not, I don't do any of this to make money. If, for some reason, some strange reason, you do want to support me as an artist financially, you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash ordinarysun. That's S-U-N. If you do, I'll, I don't know, give you a shout-out on this wildly unsuccessful and obscure podcast. I'll even send you a handwritten thank you note, complete with a fun little sketch. If you don't want to donate to this cause, that's fine too. I'm happy to do this either way. Say, speaking of other creative ventures, I do another show as well. It's called Lost in the Library. Season 1 is an experiment in the art of short stories. At the time of this recording, it features an agnostic look at the afterlife, an account of a young Nigerian woman with sickle cell anemia, a prank gone wonderfully right, a rewording of the first canto of Dante's Inferno, a light-hearted yet mesmerizing look at a robotic dystopia, and a children's book about a firefly who's lost his light. There's also a few more stories that have yet to be announced on the way as well. Again, that's Lost in the Library. 
and it's available ad-free, for free, on most podcatchers. So come back next week for Chapter 5. Welcome back. Thanks for listening. I love you all.